Hey, I'm joined by Manas Kulkarni. Hey, Manas, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jeff. You know, when I first met you or was introduced to you online, I couldn't quite figure out how to pronounce it. It was like, was it Manas? 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 I had a I had a substitute third grade teacher who said mayonnaise. It was the it was the best day of my you know it's the best day of my year. Obviously, <laughs> that's the greatest. <laughs> um, by the way, do you love mayonnaise or no? Uh, sure, <laughs> <laughs> sure. Because <laughs> I'm gonna send you a giant bottle of it. Best gift I could ask for, man. All right. Well, all seriousness aside, one more thing: you're wearing uh, white glasses. I'm gonna rock the same thing. So uh, there we we'll go. Be part of the white glasses club. There we go, Jeff. <laughs> nice. I love it. Now we can start. Like now, now it's good. That's a proper start. So for those who are listening to podcasts who don't know Manas, um, I know him, but I'm going to give a little brief intro. So uh, Manas founded the RevOps team over at Spring Health. It's a mental health tech company helping patients find the right care at the right time. As a former algebra teacher who also survived a few years in SaaS sales, He's found the right home in a role using data and processes to grow revenue. His team supports a revenue org of around 150 people and is responsible for reporting and insights and managing the revenue tech stack. He's a huge fan of anything related to rocket sports, uh, racket sports, ramen, and the office, but only the U.S. version, apparently. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? I'm a fan of the U.K. version. It's a little wry, it's a little different. Appreciate it. Jeff, I think we should end the podcast episode right now. <laughs> All right. You got to end on the most important Absolutely. stuff, man. <laughs> um, but hey, so again, thanks for joining. I, I figured we'd go into your background a little bit. I think your background is unique. I always think that there are you know three common pillars for folks to move into revenue operations. The first pillar meaning you came from a systems configuration or administration type background. The second the route that I took from a finance or a general business operations background. Mm -hmm. And then third, you're actually coming from the field. You're a marketer, a CSM, or you're in sales. Can you walk me a little bit about your path to RevOps? Yeah, it was, you know, if you'd asked me 10 years ago, like, uh, is revenue operations something that you'd be interested in? I mean, first of all, I don't even think the term really has been around formally for that long, right? But, but even when I was in school studying marketing, and ironically, marketing and operations management, so you could kind of fudge that together as marketing operations. Like RevOps wasn't a thing at the time, right? Um, and uh, right after school, you mentioned I, I'd spent a couple years in Teach for America as a, as a high school algebra teacher, and then um, found my way into uh, tech and startups uh, by route of sales. And a, a few years into uh, the role, there was a lot I was enjoying, but I, I knew kind of it wasn't the the long term path. And I remember being actually at a bar with a few cousins of mine and seeing this like really cheesy plaque that that still really like resonates with me. And it was uh, the sign said, "Whatever you're doing in your free time is what you should be doing full time." And that really stuck. And I remember even as a as an SDR, I remember building having a lot of fun like building like models and, and hacks and little kind of process improvements to help the rest of the team do their job better, which, um, I mean, you've seen this time and time again, right, with respect to that role benefiting from a lot of like repetitive processes being automated. Uh, and, and I just got so much more energy out of out of that than thinking about, you know, what it would mean to be a, a full-time seller. So at the time, I um, 
uh, bothered the head of the sales ops team to see if we can get a couple drinks and I can talk through, um, you know, I uh, talk through joy, the, the possibility of joining his org and whether it was my sales skills or the, the couple beers, like somehow that, that ended up working out and I, I ended up joining the, the RevOps team full, full time. So um, algebra to sales to RevOps, it probably falls into a version of maybe that, that third bucket that you just described. Yeah, I think that's all too common a path, by the way. I'm sure every SDR <laughs> came from algebra teaching and then led into revenue operations. So pretty awesome path. Um, you know, I keep thinking about some of the best hires that I've made over the years. Many of them have actually come from the ranks of sales development. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, they're on the job. They're going through all the different, you know, workflows, whether it's Salesforce or some sort of sales engagement platform. And they're coming to me with ideas, areas for improvement. Actually, when it's a team, all hands, they're coming to me and corralling me and saying, you know, we could probably shortcut a couple of these steps and here's how I'm doing it. Or they've got a better technique and, you know, it just shows me that they're thinking about not just the art of selling or the art of marketing, but also the science behind it. And that's what mm -hmm. I believe there's something here. You're actually reverse engineering a better way. And you're actually, mm -hmm. if you can come to me or my team with those ideas, you know, we can use those as inspiration or maybe even requirements for future. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my, the, the mentor of mine that I had said, like, keep a, I, I hope this language is okay, but kind of keep a shit list, right? Of the, the stuff that could be going a lot better and, and turn that into sort of a list of, of solutioning. And um, I remember that being like some of the best advice I, I got even before getting into the ops world um, to just keep your, your eyes and ears to the ground, right? And, and looking for processes to improve. So um, what, what's cool is that seems to be happening in, in a, a lot of different places. So at CB Insights, Someone took a bet on you, meaning they said, look, let's pull this person off sales development role and let's move him into a RevOps role. I'd be curious, you know, how did that come come together? You talked about it a little bit, get, getting a drink with your sales operations manager, but you know, what, what, what was it ultimately that they saw in terms of taking a bet on you? Yeah, uh, I'll give you my my guess. I'm curious to ask what what he thinks. You know, all these years later, um, I'm sure a lot of badgering was was part of was part of the eventual switch. You know, when it's a it's actually very close to what you just described, Jeff. It, it was um, the first conversation was something along the lines of, you know, I'm I'm in SDR now. I I know that uh, full time selling is not my long run, but you know, I'm I'm recognizing all these different process gaps and things that if we were able to fix could make the entire SDR team's job a lot better. And then ultimately like address the company goals of generating more pipeline and closing more, um, more business. Right. So uh, that, that was the like high level talk track. I think what really helped though, kind of make the business case to our, our head of sales and, and CS at the time was sitting down with a few leaders at the company and asking, what's everything that's broken today and especially like what are the things that you'd love to fix but you don't have time for and then what would that mean if you were able to fix them and at the time there was a need for more like marketing operations support in in partnership with sales operations with the, with the idea of really taking that revenue operations holistic approach and so i had sat down with our head of sales ops our, our head of marketing ops at the time um, and making a like really like a two column chart of, of everything I just mentioned. 
And then wh wherever there were a lot of like overlapping themes, I, I really just like circled those and we, we reprioritized them. And that one or two pager became the business case to our, our head of sales and CS. And so um, I think the both the due diligence of actually looking into those problems, but also showing that I was really interested in kind of solving what the teams were um, struggling with the most uh, seemed to, that, that story really seemed to land. And being able to tell that through the lens of, well, hey, look, I've been in, in this seat or at least one of the seats in, in our org. And so can bring that empathy of, well, I, I know what it's like to deal with the problem. So if I can be part of building solutions for those teams, then I'd bring a unique perspective that um, at the time, at least not many people on the, the sales ops, rev ops team really had. I think the cool thing there is you looked up at the entire process end to end, you get a chance to see how it works from acquisition uh, sorry, from awareness to selection to acquisition, moving on to loyalty and exchange uh, and post-sale. I'm curious, yeah. you know, when you're in a sales development, you don't necessarily get to see, you know, what's behind the door. You're kind of looking at the world through a keyhole. How did you get over the fact that you only saw a small part of it while you were in sales development? And then in, you know, sales operations, you have to kind of see a bigger world. How did you get through that? Yeah, that was actually an exciting part, right? Like I... I, I felt that I felt like I was looking at the world through a keyhole and I felt like, you know, for, for lack of a better expression, kind of like a, a cog in the machine without necessarily a seat at like the decision-making table. And so I think like being part of more strategic decisions was appealing in and of itself. And I'm going to oversimplify here, right? Like the way to get that exposure is either you, you do those jobs, which could take a lot more time and, and effort and switching and so on. Or like you be in a more centralized role who supports all of those roles, uh, which ideally is like what the RevOps team should be doing, right? So I sort of saw it as like an accelerated path to to getting more exposure and expertise, um, but all while doing the kind of process improvement and data analysis and, and like sort of strategic decision making that I was really excited about in the world of RevOps, um, not to mention not having to carry a quota necessarily, right, in, in all those different seats. So um, that's, uh, I hope that answers your question, but that's kind of how I was, I was thinking about it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So talking about those three different route, those three different roads into, you know, go to market operations. When you think about the skill set that you walked in with, which was, you know, talking to prospects, future customers, learning the talk track, the value, value positioning, maybe a little bit of light discovery, but definitely a lot more qualification. When you walked into that, you know, when you formally changed roles, what skills were you missing? And then how did you close that gap to, you know, the level that you needed to be successful? I feel like we could spend six hours on that, that alone. Um, what's, what's interesting is that because this is the first time I've been in a founding RevOps role with the, with the opportunity to build a team, I think it highlighted much more, uh, much, you know, much more quickly, all of the things that I didn't have, you know, more so than the, the stuff that I was able to pick up. So, um, like I said, I mean, the list is long. I think some of the stuff that stood out quickly were um, actually relevant to your background, Jeff, the the background in the, the FP&A world and just understanding, you know, fi key financial metrics and, and how those work and why are they important and why, why do we think about some versus others, how to measure them appropriately and build all the mechanisms necessarily uh, necessary to re reporting on them well. I think like the world of... <clears throat> Finance is one that I've, I've um, by no means any expert on, but but have grown a lot in and, and learned a lot more about in, in uh, this role here at Spring Health. Um, I think 
goes without saying, right? Building a team for the first time, you learn a ton more about just managing a team and building a team and knowing when to hand stuff off to people who are much smarter and more qualified than you. Think something I struggle with daily still. Um, and and so I think like the everything that comes with that, right? Like planning a team in the short term, in the long run, um, people management, right? Uh, morale and and kind of like energy on the team, and so all the sort of things that fall in that that bucket. Um, and then I think <clears throat> on the sort of tactical and, and maybe more classically RevOps side of, of the picture, in, in my previous role, I got a lot more experience to the marketing ops side of the, the world and, and a little bit of sales operations too. But, you know, we, I'd never built like a forecasting process from scratch. I'd, I'd never inspected the pipeline as, as rigorously as, you know, you, you really want to be doing as, as a RevOps leader. Um, I hadn't necessarily necessarily been making decisions about, uh, setting quota and, uh, you know, managing territories uh, instead of what I was doing before, which was like lead scoring and routing and so on. Right. So I think the, the scope of the decisions and the, uh, frankly, like the, um, the, what was at stake with respect to those decisions uh, changed pretty drastically, right. In this role of, of founding a team rather than being um, concentrated on just like one part of the RevOps picture. So those are, I feel like I've, I've ultimately focused on on gaps that I had right coming into this role and things that I think I've fortunately learned a lot more about over the last two and a half years. But those are some of the first things that come to mind. Yeah, I put myself in your shoes. I was in very similar shoes a couple, um, maybe about a decade ago. I crossed over into ops from a finance background. What I carried with me was a strong sense of you know business acumen around bookings, revenue, comp plans. But what I didn't have were the fine tune appreciation for CRM integrations, uh, all the technical pieces that folks will need from their day to day. They had to learn that on the fly. So like trying to learn Salesforce over overnight, uh, over a yeah. period of three months, um, that was challenging. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I had to deal with these other go-to-market operations partners, marketing operations, CX operations. And I was caught in the middle, right? I had my marketing operations partner upstream from me and I had my CX operations partner downstream from me. And you couldn't necessarily make any changes into your CRM without knowing that you were going to probably impact other folks without knowing it, unless you coordinated across the aisle. Cool. So those were some challenges. Yeah. Um, curious to hear. So when you moved from your first RevOps role at CB Insights into Spring Health, I know that you were actually hired to kind of lead and grow a team. So, and you grew it to maybe three individuals pretty quickly is what you, you talked about. I'd be curious from the go-to-market perspective, they went from like zero resources to all of a sudden having a three resources. And then from your end, you're trying to figure out, you know, how do you pass the ball and, and um, you know, share the same court with three other folks. You know, I'm, I'm curious about that, you know, that, that hyper growth and what I would consider a little bit of indigestion for the business. Uh, it's, it, I mean, you described it so well, I I'm thinking back to what you said earlier about like taking a bet, right? Like what, one thing that, um, I've, I've just been very grateful for is that multiple people have taken a bet on me at multiple points. And that's been like the, the defining thing, right? Um, I, I gotta give Mark Jacobs a shout out. He was our, our head of sales and CS who kind of originally, um, was the final approver on me moving into RevOps. And then finally, um, and then also the same person who brought me over to Spring Health. Um, and so, you know, big shout out to, to Mark for making a lot of that happen and some some key sort of pivotal moments in my career. 
what was it like, I think, in those first few days? I mean, I, I just remember maybe it with some like naivete, right? Like the uh, just the sheer excitement about coming into a, a place where not not a lot of things were were built and yet the company was doing so well. Um, and of course, you know, there was a lot that was built, but some key things that that we could tackle as low hanging fruit. Right. So even in, in the on my fifth day at the company, um, because of some folks being out of office, like I got to kind of get involved in a really key report that um, we eventually transformed and has, has become kind of one of the most important reporting sources here at the company. Um, and and it, there were moments like that every day, every week where you, you could get involved in something that was going to have a big long-term impact on the company. So that knowing that that was an opportunity was so exciting. Um, now having to do that while also building a team is, which is kind of what you're getting at, right. Was, was a tall order, but, but still, I think because of the, the first time doing it and, and at a company that again was doing so well and in a space that I was really passionate about, um, in mental health, what was all like, I really felt more excitement than, than anything else. There were definitely moments and questions where we were figuring out, well, who, you know, what does it make more sense for this person to own versus that person? And, um, eventually, I think this was in the first couple months, we sat down and we really just made a list of like everything that we were working on, everything that we think or we, that we thought we were going to need to start working on and everything that we like wanted to do, but just hadn't gotten to yet. And that became this like roles and responsibilities matrix that we're still using today, where we assigned like an, an owner and a supporter um, to every one of those tasks. And that foundational tool helped us figure out like how to build the rest of the team. Um, and so I think that uh, what, what, like hindsight 2020, right? It's almost like you, that would have been great to do even earlier in the process, but I'm glad we did it when we did. So we could start figuring out how um, to really think about our, our gaps in terms of, uh, you know, skill sets and, and knowledge areas and frankly, things that we didn't have enough time for. Um, so we can think about the, the long-term sort of vision of the team. Um, does that answer your question? I feel like there's one thing that you mentioned that I didn't really no, get No, I think to. you answered it all. I was thinking, you know, you come in as an uh, IC, but tagged as the person that's going to go build this team. You build out the team. Your team, your company all of a sudden has a wealth of resources. And then all of you three came within a very short time window. Uh, there's no institutional yeah. knowledge to pass off. You're, you're actually co-building, you know, the department together. So that, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, I did have one more question for you around, um, you know, room for growth, right? So like you've, you've already grown so much, you know, since your days at CB Insight. So I'm curious about, you know, what's next for you? What's that next room for growth, uh, over, you know, for you and, you know, for what you're doing over at Spring Hill? Yeah, I, first of all, thanks so much for asking this. Um, and, and it's an interesting time to be, to be thinking about it because uh, a few months ago, um, my, my new boss, MJ, who's now the VP of RevOps, uh, was, was brought on originally to lead kind of long-term planning and then absorb the scope of RevOps and a few other functions. Um, and and I'm, I'm, like, I'm pumped to say uh, that, that that working relationship's been going really well. And um, I credit MJ with a lot of just uh, you know, trust and, and autonomy um, to not only like you know, run with things that have been working in the past, but giving me the space to articulate, like, what is it that I really want to be focusing on? And what's interesting is I joined RevOps uh, at, at CB Insights. That's sort of my first 
exposure to RevOps um, with a pretty concentrated focus area, right, within marketing operations. Then it broadened a lot when I came to Spring Health and we're kind of doing everything, right? And now I've had an opportunity to like take a step back and say, well, like, what, what is it that I, I really want to be focused on? And quite frankly, for the business, like, what does it make sense for me to pass off to other people who, like I was saying before, are just much better at that stuff, right? And have a background in that stuff. And what I've kind of anchored in is like, I'm, I'm really excited about uh, being focused on like reporting and insights and also um, like systems and, and tools, right? And uh, we, MJ and I collaborated on, on kind of turning that into a, a function called revenue intelligence. And so that's the like pod within the RevOps team that I'm, I'm now leading. And it's given me a chance to really like focus on, on the, the stuff that, that really gets me out of bed, like as it, as it pertains to RevOps. So um, the, what's interesting is that in this case, growth happened in the form of like focus, right? And kind of being really intentional about drawing lines between um, responsibility areas for, for folks to so the right person's focused on like the right thing at the right time. Um, so it, it's been it's been great to go deeper rather than like kind of wider on, on this set, set of responsibilities. And, and I'm really excited to see where that goes as we, we now continue to, to build that team up. Yeah, I think there's a key element that I think a lot of folks miss in their careers, especially when they cross over from SDR to RevOps. They start off with a very narrow, you know, looking through the keyhole that we talked about. Then they move into a go-to-market ops role and their world expands. It can often feel overwhelming and the stress of being in go-to-market operations is immense. I think folks who are listening to this podcast probably understand. And then now you're actually contracting and focusing and playing to your strengths or areas of interest. And I think that's okay. And then at some point, again, down the road, you're likely going to expand once again. And I think that's, that happens over and over in our yeah. careers. It's contraction, expansion, contraction, expansion. And I think we got to find yeah. you know, the sweet spot for the areas that we enjoy in our career. Yeah, I, I love how you said that, like that kind of sine curve almost of like contraction and expansion, right? The um, What I'm excited about is that as the company continues to evolve, to evolve right, there there will be like more opportunities for more stuff. And then that'll beg opportunities for, um, or that'll create opportunities, right, for like contracting further and then going deeper on, on even more specific things like that, um, that are exciting and feel like a really good fit. So yeah, I'm, yeah this is, this feels like the first phase of that. Um, and I've, re I've really enjoyed how that's turned out. So I'm, I'm definitely excited to see what the next kind of phases of that, that look like. So last segment, I always ask folks, if you can go into a time machine and visit your younger self, what piece of advice would you give, you know, young Manus today based on what you know today? Yeah, um, I'd say fight back against substitute teachers who insist that your name is mayonnaise for sure would be would be a big one that ruined third grade for me pretty pretty bad. <laughs> um, the on the on the career front, and I think this is ha happening like more and more in like this this age of kind of like really you know hyper growth, like new ideas, new technology, so on and so forth is like don't get too fixated on the categorizations or the buckets that you know of right now, right? Like the boundaries will continue to get pushed, like new, new things will come into existence and being like too far tunnel visioned will actually be harmful in the long run. And, you know, I'm oversimplifying for sure, but I think, as I was saying before, like I, I didn't graduate with any semblance of what revenue operations could be or, 
uh, that that would even be an, an option, right? Uh, and so I think like I took a bit of a meandering path to get to where I am now. And I, I expect and I kind of hope that that path will like continue to meander a little bit. Um, but but meander in areas that I'm like more and more excited about and can you know continue to enjoy and feel like fulfilled by. So if I wrap that up concisely, um, I think it's about it's finding the right balance between knowing what you're excited about, knowing what you're good at, um, and feeling confident about those things, and and also just kind of keeping an open mind to like what future opportunities could look like. Um, you, you never know what you'll stumble on and. I very much stumbled on this and have been very happy about it. Absolutely. I think the best jobs of tomorrow have not been invented yet. So for those yeah. who are listening, um, how can folks you know, connect with you? How can they learn more about you? Yeah, I made the uh, glorious uh, maybe mistake or maybe greatest decision of my life to kind of hop off a lot of social media things. Um, I think LinkedIn's probably the, the best place. I've, I found that I kind of replaced Instagram and Snapchat and all that stuff with my LinkedIn feed for better or for worse. So I think LinkedIn's probably the best, but um, I, I will just plug that we are hiring for our um, RevIntel pod and, and specifically looking for um, folks with, uh, with an analytical background supporting GTM teams. So opening those roles uh, right about now in the next couple of weeks and um, would love to chat with anyone who um, thinks that role would be a great fit. All right, amazing. Thanks again for joining. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for having me.